BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hello, Freckled Foodie fam. I am very excited to share today's episode because it is a long time in the making. Sammy Eason is one of my favorite people to follow on Instagram. And I say this in the episode, but I like full-blown fangirled over here, over her. When I saw her at Expo, I want to say... I mean, it must have been over three years ago now, but I'm not sure exactly when it was. I have been a big fan of hers for a very long time because I think she does such incredible job of sharing her honest and raw and sometimes dark emotions on her platform. She's not afraid to really put it all out there. And I also think she's a fucking superhero because she is a single mom to three boys and dealing with postpartum right now for me I'm just like blown away by her ability to somehow get it all fucking done she is awesome she has become a good friend of mine and a support system through my postpartum and I hope you guys enjoy this episode and check her out on Instagram her name is Samantha in person on IG so be sure to give her a follow come on in Sam, thank you for taking the time out of the busiest schedule in the world. I'm so excited to chat with you because... Well, I'm sure I'm going to mention this in like the intro recording, but I've been following you for a long time. And I think recently we've connected more and then we've spoken over text and on the phone. And I told you this, but like I have always been such a big fan of your content that when I saw you at Expo a few years ago, I was like, oh, my God, hi. I like totally fangirled over you, which is like uncomfortable for me now to like think about. But no. I was like, hi, I love you. Oh, my God. But I think you're just so uniquely wonderful and honest and open and raw and really fucking talented and one of my favorite people to follow on this platform. You're very sweet. I feel the same about you. And I think it was um, extra cool that we ran into each other in New York two years ago. Oh, yes. Oh, my God. I forgot about that, too, with Olivia. Yeah. Yeah. And Rachel outside Holy of shit. yeah, and some Rachel spot you kitchen, and then that's when I followed you, and I was like, "Whoa, yeah!" I totally forgot about that. Wow. And I forgot about I, Expo. I, like when you told well, me about Expo, it like didn't yeah. ring a bell. 
And then, but that's also because there's just so many people. There's so much going on. I totally forgot we met outside of Hugh Kitchen. So it's nice to like connect. I feel like now on the motherhood side of things, now that we've connected in this way, it's even more special because we've met in person. Whereas usually yes. with Instagram, you like meet people and you through Instagram and you get excited to connect with them and then you meet them in person. And I also think that our relationship deepened in a quickly manner because of motherhood. Um, because I do think it's this kind of like invisible group that you don't really know exists until you're in it. And then it's like you can really resonate and understand what someone is going through at a deeper level if you are going through it at that time or have gone through it as well. And I don't mean that to say like, well, other people don't get it because they do, but it is a very different experience when it's your lived experience. Do you agree with that? Yes, yes. And also I feel like when we did connect, um, it was very much like, hey, I'm having a really hard time. Right. And then you were like, I'm having a really hard time too. And it's like, <laughs> that's when you need to lean on each other the most. Yes. So it's almost like, I feel like a lot of times with moms too, you can skip the whole, like, we don't have to even keep in touch regularly. It's just like when mm -hmm. you're having a day, you know that you have those people there for you. And that's Yeah, I just need someone to vent and to tell me it's going to be okay and that they're experiencing it too and that it's normal. Yeah. Um, so speaking of motherhood, obviously this episode could go an array of different directions and I want it to cover a bunch of different stuff. But you are a mother of three, which – Honestly, as a mother of one, I cannot imagine to begin with. And then also as a single mother of three, I cannot fathom. So how old are your children for people listening who are not familiar with you? Um, three boys. I have a one-year-old, a newly one-year-old, a newly three-year-old, and a five-year-old. Almost six. I want to talk a lot about motherhood, but I also think that the specific aspect of single motherhood, maybe we go backwards first to kind of lead to where you are today. So can you give us just some inside information of like what your childhood was like and your upbringing and, you know, your early years? Because I like to know that about people because I do think it plays into a lot of how they parent. I love that. Um, yeah. So I grew up in Wellesley, Massachusetts, right outside Boston. Um, with my mom and my dad. And then seven years later, my little brother came along and I lived, I've been in, I was in Massachusetts until for 19 years. So, but moved around a little bit there. Um, my dad got sick. He was an alcoholic probably when I was like 11 ish that continued, um, stayed on the East coast. And then, my freshman year of college, I was in New York, and he passed away that first month into school, October mm -hmm. 18th, and then exactly 10 years later, Rowan was born. I'm very sorry for the passing of your father. Thanks. So then he passed away, and my mom and brother were still in Boston, and I was in New York, and she wanted him to go to a private school out here in St. Louis, but then we all would have been separated. So it was like the only time my mom ever took my advice at that age. I was like, I'll just transfer. Let's move. Like, you love it out there. And she was like, okay. And I was like, oh, shit. Here we go. So 
went, went back to Boston, packed up all of our stuff, drove out in a minivan to St. Louis, and I transferred to University of Missouri, where I went to school for a year and then dropped out. What led you to drop out of school? For one, I never, I didn't get to do any art. Like the school I was at in New York was photography, English, drawing, sculpture, or 3D class, um, just like making stuff all the time. Um, and then English, which I loved, obviously. And then I went to this huge university and it was just, I mean, the partying took me, the classes were huge. I couldn't, I'm very like hands-on, love to sit down, talk to someone. That's how I learn visual, the whole sitting in a lecture hall with hundreds of kids reading out of a book that I'm paying for didn't really do anything for me. So, um, and then I met my ex at a party. Things moved very quickly. Yeah. And I, I moved back. University of Missouri is like an hour and a half outside of St. Louis. So I just moved home and started nannying. Rewinding a step, but when your father passed, was it from alcoholism? Yeah. I mean, he had developed so many health issues at that point that it was everything. You wrote an article, and I would love to remember the name of it and put it in the show notes, but that's, I think, when I first found you. I don't know if it was for your blog or for a third party. Do you know which article I'm talking about, about your father? That was my first one. Yeah, that was the, the, cool, the cool parent. Yeah, and what was that for your website? Yeah, that was – I hit 10,000 followers on Instagram, and then I launched my blog, and that was my first written piece. And can you tell our listeners just a little bit about what that piece was about? Yeah, so my my entire upbringing, I feel like I connected more with my dad because he was the fun parent and kind of let me do whatever I wanted and didn't, especially as he got more sick. It was just, he didn't care. And I could go tell him that I went to these parties and did all these things and he almost encouraged it. And my mom was strict and religious and, you know, didn't allow for such things. And I never really had that closeness with her, which after going through everything that I've been through now, I'm like, wow, I totally get it. Because she was the, Mm -hmm. she was like, I have to protect you. And without her, even though I never listened to her, without her acting that way, I wouldn't even have a clue right now because she would have just enabled me more. So, you know, we're best friends now, now that I have kids. Although I will always love him and have that connection to him, it wasn't that love that I was seeking, I wasn't even getting from him, you know? And then Mm -hmm. kind of you realize that sometimes the hardest choices or the hardest when your parents are hard on you, it's because they're trying to teach you something. And you don't always see that when you're doing whatever you're doing. And have you always, has writing always been a big part of your life? I don't know. I feel like I really started to enjoy it um, when I wrote my college essay, which is what that blog post is based off of. I actually had my my mom's high school, because I went to the same high school as my parents in Wellesley. Um, it was her English tutor that tutored me before I went to school. 
And I feel like I just have so many good memories of sitting down with her name's Nancy, sitting down with her and just doing it. Especially because my junior year of high school, I was, I did not show up to class. I was in trouble a lot, partied a lot. So everyone was applying to schools and a couple of my close friends were like, where are you going to college? And I was like, oh, I was like, I have no idea. And that's kind of when I snapped out of it. I was like, okay, I have to like figure this out. I'm just curious. So now you've mentioned a few times, we've talked about your dad's alcoholism, but you've mentioned your partying history. What role did alcohol and or drugs play in your like early adolescence or adolescence? I don't know about early adolescence. I just, I'm a people pleaser. And so I think it's always been very hard for me to say no. I never, I've never like blamed anyone for, oh, well, this is the reason why this happened. But I, I don't know. I think I struggled with limits for a long time. And then also like now looking back, that's so obviously just attention. You know, like when you have neglect in any area of your life, you look for it elsewhere and you don't know how to look for it properly because it's not being nourished in the way that you need it. So you met your ex at a party in college and obviously I know now from being your friend and from following you that you're going through a divorce. So there's only so much detail we can get into from a legal standpoint, but can you walk us through maybe like the beginning of the relationship without details, like any details that you can provide? And obviously I also want to respect his privacy. He is also another human and he's also the father of your children. Um, But just more of like the relationship and getting pregnant and having your first child. Yeah. So we met in college and moved very quickly and we dated and then we got engaged and we got married. Um, And then we had Isaac. He, we had a lot of parallels, let's just say. So like his dad was an alcoholic. His dad is still living, but he's sober now. Earlier when I was saying that, you know, when you feel that neglect and you go look for it in other ways, that was kind of his family for me in the beginning of our relationship. So because they were kind of like, didn't care what Chris and I were doing, supported whatever we were doing. Like we lived in Chicago for six, four to six months. And we just, just the whole lifestyle of doing whatever you want, basically. And um, my mom and I, this is pre-Isaac, but we had butt heads there for a while because of that. And she had just met my stepdad, who I also, you know, that was very new at the time. Also, Chris's job was a family business. So that was, we were very much a unit in that way. You know, then I had Isaac and his dad got really sick, similar to my dad, almost passed away. Chris and I were not in a financial, in a good financial spot. And we were, I mean, he was scrambling and that's when he started to drink. We had basically partied the, up until I got pregnant with Isaac. And then I, I, that was my wake up and I was like, I'm done. And then that was his, I'm going to start now or keep it going. Mm -hmm. That was hard. And then we had, you know, Isaac and a newborn and he kind of went off and just was working all the time. And then that continued. And while things did turn around financially and job wise for him, the, our relationship kind of 
went downhill. But at the same time was a roller coaster because then with each kid, then Maddox came and we were kind of on this uphill for a while. But I think at that point, well, I know at that point now that so much had happened that mm-hmm. there was no there was no way to fix it. And the things that we were going to therapy for, I thought were all the things that were going to be fixed. But there was so much underneath that I had no idea about. Let's just say the reason I filed for divorce is because what I found out was so not only heartbreaking, but just felt very like if you're married to someone and you're going to therapy with them and you want things to work, then why wouldn't you share all the things that are not working? Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You were expecting and hoping for honesty. Well, he thanked me and he thanked me in the end. He said, I'm, he said, I'm relieved that you found that. I found a bank statement, opened the floodgates, if you will. And now here, Two years later, still still not over yet, but he did. He thanked me. He said I, I was relieved because it was – it's hard. It's hard when you have shit to say and you are scared to say it, especially in, in a marriage and you have kids. And how was going back to your first pregnancy with Isaac, like what was that postpartum period like for you? It was rough. It was pretty dark. That's when I started Instagram – because I was so lonely and I had a new baby and I did not have mom friends in St. Louis and an old friend from camp, I reached out to her creatively and she was like, you should just post food because you eat three meals a day and get creative with that. And then I jumped in and I found all these accounts and I was like, wow, this is awesome. And then I started talking to people and connecting with them and it just took off. Then I started finding like activities to do in St. Louis and when I was seeing these women online take their kids out and like go to the farmer's market and doing stuff like that, I was like, oh, that's an option here. But just because I didn't grow up here, I didn't really know. The time I had spent here was just all partying all the time. So I had no idea what was family friendly or, you know, good, good little hole in the wall spots. Everything changes so much with the child and it's a whole new city, no matter where you're living, of opportunities or advantages or disadvantages. Um, So now being a single mother of three, which you resonate with that term, correct? Single mother? I'm not like putting it on you? No, 100%. Yeah. In all ways. I mean, I just have so many questions. I don't even almost know where to begin. But like my first question is really how are you doing today? Because I know every day is different. But how are you in this moment? I am okay. I am definitely in a season of stress, like so much stress. Um, I know you and I have talked about Instagram and how it's – very much a change space now and you kind of get on there and you're like, what am I even doing on here? What do I want to do on here? Creatively, what does, when I make this, what does it do for other people? Or, and then we've talked about that as well, where like you should be making stuff for you, not for Mm -hmm. other people. And that is definitely where you see a difference. But I think for me, where this is my, one of my only incomes 
I have a couple things going right now, but it's like, that's it. You know, there's no, and you know, you don't even get paid right away when you do stuff on Instagram. So stressful, but I'm grateful. I'm so grateful. If I didn't, had I not done things the way I did them, I wouldn't be set up for this. I'm happy. I'm happy. Well, that's important. What do you find to be, if you can pinpoint it, because I can't imagine it's easy to pinpoint, but what do you think one of the biggest struggles of being a single mother is? I don't want to use the word balance, but I think that that's it for me where I'm like, oh, okay, so I'm me and I'm mom and I'm just parent, you know, because mom and dad are different and and provider, and I want to be creative, and I want to do, not that I don't know what my purpose is, but it's, I think it's the exhaustion from everything, because then it's like, it's just like you, like when I don't have my kids, I'm like, oh, it's just me. I can't even imagine, I want to say, as a friend and an observer, you're doing a fucking amazing job. And I got so many people when I said that I was going to be interviewing you, messaging me saying how much they loved you, messaging me saying what an inspiration you are. Like you are really helping people. Um, That's a relief. I mean, you know, you are. I tell you that you definitely are. And I'm sure many people tell you that. But I also think it's almost one of the reasons I'm drawn to your page and maybe so many others I would think is – Instagram has always been this highlight reel and we talked about this on our phone call and while you have such a vibe and an aesthetic and artistic manner to your content, you also are not afraid to share the shit and like share it when you're in it and that's something I want to touch on also because when you were still with your ex, like you were very open about struggling and the fights and the therapy and it all. And maybe, I mean, I could see how it makes some people uncomfortable because they're like, whoa, wait, what? Like, we're not supposed to talk about this in public or be so open about this kind of stuff. But I also think majority, it helps a lot because no fucking relationship is perfect. And it's so frustrating to open social media and to just see all of these like, this is my favorite person ever. We're so wonderful. Like, I mean, do I love Joe more than anything? Yeah, I really do. Has parenting been really hard? Yeah, it's been fucking hard. Um, yeah. And I think the more that people be honest about their relationships and things they're struggling with, the less alone everyone else will feel. And I think people really felt that with your content, especially how open you were even going through the divorce of like, you know, all of this stuff that typically isn't discussed until after the matter. Yeah. Well, it's dark, it's dark and it's heavy. And I think, and I get that because sometimes when I'm, you know, when other things feel dark and heavy, I don't want to add to that. So Mm -hmm. I totally get that. But I do think one of the things I feel like everyone talks about this as an adult or just like, maybe this is a female thing, but you kind of get to this place where you connect with other women and you're like, Oh, like you're super fucked up too. And I mean that in like the best way, but yeah. you're like, you're like, oh, we all oh, have so much shit or like your parents did, did it this way. But like looking at that little photo from the nineties, like you don't get that, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I guess that was just my, 
I found a lot of healing in, I think, you know, first writing about my dad and that kind of just snowballed things for me where I was like, wow, this feels so good to be like, I should have done things this way, but I can't. So we'll just apply this lesson now. And that's, I don't know, that's what it's all about. I feel like, especially with social media, we live in this world of connection and what we're just not supposed to talk about the ways that we should, that we can connect on. That's bullshit. I agree. I mean, I think having the honest conversations is the only way, not the only way, but it's definitely the deepest way to connect with someone. And I'm very much the type of person that I'm like, I'm going to lay my shit out on this table I hope you do the same and then yeah. we can compare, contrast, yes. and yes. connect over it all. Yeah. And that's why I love you. Oh, that's why I love you too. Of course, some things are meant to be sacred and private, of course, but there's nothing wrong with being an open book because when you are, that's, you know, that's when you it's it's not even always like the things that you say. It could just be how you are or your smile. I don't know. Sometimes I just pass people and I'm like, wow, that just put me in a good mood. But that, that all Mm -hmm. comes from, that all comes from how you're feeling or like how you're healing, how you're healing maybe. And you mentioned when you first started writing about your dad, that it was almost, this is what I could have done, but I didn't. And this is how I'm going to apply it. I find this really interesting with parenting of reflecting on my childhood in ways of, oh, I really liked the way my parents did that. I think it was beneficial for me in the long run and I want to implement that. And also, like, I don't think they tackled that in a way that I want to tackle it and I want to change and I want to maybe do it differently. Like, what are some of those things reflecting back that you were like, I would have liked to do that differently and now I'm going to implement it differently? I think the number one thing, and I think this maybe go, this might be a generally generational thing, but even Isaac almost turning six, I look back and I'm like, was I even like present with you? Like, did I even enjoy this? And I do that with Rowan. I feel like he blinked and he's one. And then I see all these pictures online of these moms with their newborns. And I'm like, did I, then like you do get those moments and you so cherish them. But I think how we navigate time is probably my number one. And I think that that goes with my mom too, because and pa- with my parents, like looking back on how we did certain things. And my mom has made comments before too, like when she sees me um, handle certain, you know, if the boys get in a little argument or fighting over a toy or something and I handle it a different way that she would have, she'll be like, oh, I wish I was like that. Every, every day is so different. There's not even a way to measure it really. Because you could wake up tomorrow and have a completely different view on something or perspective. I think what you said is something I'm struggling with right now in the sense of like, did I, was I present? Did I enjoy it? Because Liam is six and a half months, whatever, whatever you want to call it. Um, And I feel like it went by really quickly. And I don't think I gave myself enough maternity leave time. And even during my maternity leave, I wasn't really off. And then I was dealing with postpartum depression and anxiety. And I just am like, it's so hard because in these moments when I'm holding him and I'm really trying to be like, okay, this is a moment I don't want to forget, but I don't know. 
it's so hard because then they just go by and then who knows the next time it's going to happen. And life is fucking busy and it's really hard to remain present. And I'm not good at being present in any sense anyway. So let alone with a child, it's honestly my biggest struggle right now. Well, that's it. But see, you noticing it, I think that's it. Because I think some people, I think some people just go, 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 go. Do you feel like you have time to be present? I'm trying to be better at it. That's what kills me is I'm, there's not enough of, I don't want to say there's not enough hours in the day. It, it kills me when I'm trying to do shit on my computer or my phone and Maddox is like pulling at my arm. And I'm like, well, at least I'm here. It's not like I'm not here, but I'm, but I'm not really here, you know? And then I'm getting annoyed because I'm like, hey, I have to do this or like, <laughs> then I don't buy groceries. I'm very real with the kids about, hey, I have to do this because if I don't do this, I think you have a roof over your head. I'm very upfront about that because mm-hmm. I think that's where that guilt comes in for me, where I'm like, Hey, if I'm, if I'm kind of short right now, or if I can't give you my full attention, this is why. And it's not because I don't want to, it's because there are certain things that have to be done in order for us to, in, to actually enjoy the time when we get it. As an outsider's perspective, who has not had this lived experience, I would imagine maybe one of the hardest things is exactly that, where it's not that you don't want to, but the time is limited and you are doing so much like you are an example of someone who's allowed to say there aren't enough hours in the day because you really are trying to do everything and you're taking on these two roles for not only one child but three and I just think that that would probably be one of the harder parts where sometimes there isn't a choice and I just I I mean I have nothing else to say on that other than I feel like that must be very difficult and I'm sorry that you have to deal with it. Yeah, it is hard. It's not it, – that's like the heartbreak The heartbreak for me where I'm like – because that's what I – actually just wrote something about this. But just like when all my friends are like, oh, well, what are you going to college for? And I was always like, I'm, I don't even – I don't know what I want to do. Like I want to be a mom. Like I just know I'm going to be a mom. And I can't say that I – I did the stay at home mom thing. So I did, I really did get what I, you know, what I wished for, but now it's almost like it's another, it's a, it's a whole nother layer. It's like, I have, I have the kids and I have the mom role, but then there's a lot of distraction and there's a lot of, um, you know, other factors pulling at me from every direction. I don't know how you're able to do this, but are you able to make time for yourself to do small things that bring you joy? Like, and if so, what are those things? Yeah. Um, baths. Been really good at doing that lately. It's a no phone zone. Uh, my walks. Those are non-negotiable for me. And sometimes that does back up my day in other ways, but it's like, I have to. I mean, just little things like that. Nothing crazy. Food, like making something nice for myself. I mean, these are all important things and easy ones for listeners to take away. And like... So low key. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mine are but. similar in a sense. I wish I had a bathtub that I could fit in. We have a bathtub in our apartment, but like... 
It's not. It's so it's, tiny. I mean, it's actually great for bathing Liam because it's shallow. So, like, it's not hard for us to bathe him or, like, pick him up and put him in it. Oh, that's nice. But it is, like, freezing for me to take a bath in because half my body is out of the bathtub. Um, but walks are big for me. And also, I do, like, my wake-in shakes where I listen to a song first thing in the morning in my headphones and just shake it out and dance. And, like, those little things bring so much joy. I know writing has been therapeutic for you, especially recently, and I am a huge fan of your awards because I think you're incredibly talented and you have a very unique way of sharing emotions and putting words to paper. Is this a focus of yours going forward? Is this something you want to spend more time doing? Like, talk. Let's discuss a little bit about maybe where you're headed. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's pretty much the only thing. I would, I want to do, I have a couple things going, but they're not, it takes a while to get there. Um, just more stuff like that. I feel like I want to maybe grow my audience in the writing community a little bit. I don't know what that looks like or how to do it, but the other projects I'm working on are definitely long-term years, multiple before anything happens with that. I love a planted seed. I did ask my community for some questions and I you oh I know you reposted it and a lot of people from your community headed over and asked questions as well. Um so I do want to ask a few. One actually is interesting to me just based on what we talked about with our childhoods and our parenting style. Someone asked, Do you instill Jesus in your boy's life or the morals that you were like raised up on? Because you were raised pretty religiously, correct? Oh, I love that question. Yeah. So I was raised Christian science, which is not Scientology. It's just mind over matter, essentially. And the boys actually go to Sunday school with, they go every Sunday from 10 to 11. Well, I don't have them on the weekends. So my ex has to take them, but he's been, he's been pretty good about it, which I appreciate. And in Sunday school, you're really just learning Bible stories. So Good Samaritan, Golden Rule, stuff like that, which I love. I mean, yeah, I, I can credit so much to that upbringing. My mom was so on me about never missing Sunday school. And while that ruined a lot of sleepovers for me, I am grateful that I went because of those, those morals mm-hmm. and just being good to people. The Golden Rule and kindness and love and principle and all of those things are so are so important. It's interesting for me because I was not really raised religious whatsoever. Um, and we don't plan on raising Liam religiously, but I definitely see the value in it for those who have had good experiences with it. Um, but what was it like growing up in like a Christian science household? Well, I, we didn't go to the doctor, so... I mean, that's fascinating to me. I broke my hip. Yes, you I know, know this. But, like, to tell everyone else. I, I, fractured my, I fractured my hip figure skating when I was maybe 12 and fractured it. And my uncle, or, like, my best friend's dad, who was really helpful when my dad got sick, who is an orthopedic surgeon... Um, he was like, we have to get Sam an x-ray. And so he took me to Children's Hospital in Boston and got me an x-ray. And it was just shattered, but healed shattered. 
is my mom was like, well, there was a lot of other things going into it. Like, you know, you're still growing, your body's still growing when you're that young. And there was a lot of, I can't imagine making that decision as a parent. That's like, that's a huge decision for a hip surgery. But, but, you know, I think I had a little, little, my flip flops, you know, one was like two and a half, almost like two inches thick to even me out. Oh, because I had a really bad oh my gosh. Were you not in like insane pain? No, like it just healed. I don't know. It just healed. It was a, it was a fractured hit, but it healed like fractured. Does that make any sense? But it was still broken. I mean, I don't understand how, but somehow. So anyways, I walked on that for like 11 years, ran a half marathon in college, and then started nannying for this family who were both in medicine. And they like didn't believe me when I was like, I've never been to the doctor and I broke my leg. And they were like, no. So they took me to Barnes Jewish here, which is a really good hospital. And sure enough, were just mind blown. And so then I got on the wait list and had a hip replacement at 21. Holy shit. My father-in-law just had both of his hips replaced. I mean, that's wild to me. I want to go through just a few more questions because I do want to make sure we get to them. Well, I do want to tell you this. Someone said, please tell Sammy she's an inspiration to so many people and I would love her to write a book one day. Her words are amazing. So another person asked, how do you find yourself again after having kids and how do you manage three boys? Ooh, how do you find yourself again after having kids? You, you, have to, you have to do at least one thing for you, whatever that is. doesn't matter what it is. We have to do it. It has to be a routine thing. Like I, I started figure skating again after I had Maddox. I, like, I found an instructor and started taking lessons. I love that. At the time, I was like, "This, I want to do this again. And so I, I did it. Um, I think intuition, you have, to, you have to listen to your intuition. And your gut, is, your gut will be good to you if you listen to it. I don't know. It looks different for everyone. But I think if you're being, I think if you are being naturally drawn towards something or in a direction and there's, and it's good and it's honest and, you know, the people around you support you doing that, then I think that that's, that means you're on the right track. I agree. Do you feel like you, and this is a personal question, just following up on this, do you feel like you became a completely different person when you had kids and became a mother? Oh, so different. Yeah. So different. So it's like suddenly everything I mean, you still care about the same things, I guess, but it's on such a different level because now you have this person that relies on you. I just remember having Isaac and be like, "What would he think of me if he knew all these things?" And you want to be you want to be everything for them. At least I did. And so it kind of changes you and rewires you a little bit to be like, okay, am I doing, is everything I'm doing like going to be the safest decision for this person or the most reliable decision or the most loving decision? Because your, your whole world is like, okay, well now anything that comes at me goes to them. 
kind of. I agree. I also think it like puts everything in perspective, at least for me, where I'm like the things that I used to worry about no longer matter because I've untapped what actually matters and the things I used to stress about or spend time caring about are completely put to the back seat now because like he is the most important thing and always will be for the future. Um, another question someone has is what is something you wake up for every day? What is one thing that you wake up every day grateful for? I get, I guess time. Um, that's been a really freaky thought for me lately. Wake up every day and the first 10 minutes is kind of like, wow, I'm so fucking tired. I'm over it. And then I get to this point and I'm like, I want to be happy. Like I love being happy and I love waking up and I have a new day now. Like I have a new, I have time. I got time. I got more time. And so I think I wake up every day just grateful for that. And it's just, is it, it's so frustrating in the morning, bundling up three children for 25 degree weather, just to walk two blocks to drop Isaac off at school or throw them in the car. Like either one is kind of annoying. It's like, we're not really, we're not doing much right now. And that goes back to almost being present. Like, yes, it's a bitch to get kids dressed, especially three, especially for the cold weather, especially on your own. But like you enjoying those walks, like that's you being present. That's you enjoying those moments. That's you taking it all in. And those are things that they're going to remember. Life is good if you want it to be good. All the heavy stuff aside in life, I think everyone can look back at some point and appreciate like, oh, these are all the things that someone did for me. You know, like you don't really think about that when you're doing it. But any, any adult can look back and say, whether you remember it or not, and say, wow, there's a lot of work that goes into these things. Yeah, I have a whole new gratitude for my parents, especially my mother now that I'm a mother. It's just like, what the fuck? I did not know how difficult <laughs> and what a process this all is. Those are like the main listener questions I wanted to touch on. I'm so grateful that you took the time out of your day to do this. I really, really appreciate you being so open and honest and vulnerable on your platform and on here. And I'm so happy to have you as a friend. Well, thank you for having me. And I feel the same about you. And I'm, I'm grateful and I'm always here for you. Always, always mom to mom. I'm always here for you. I love you. I love you. I can't wait till you come to New York. Oh, I'm coming. Yes. Make it happen. Okay, great. Okay. All right. Love you. Love you. Bye. Hi, my people. I feel like I have a lot to say today. I almost feel like this could be a whole separate podcast episode. And this is something I'm thinking about. Maybe doing like mini episodes on Wednesdays. Or honestly, maybe just like scattering in more solo episodes. So it's almost like interview solo, interview solo. I don't know. But lately, I feel like I have so much to discuss that I want to dive into deeper on the show. And I'm so grateful that I have so many incredible people that I want to interview. But at the same time, I then get overwhelmed by like, when do I have time to talk about the topics that I want to talk about separately and dive into those. So to be determined, I actually would love your guys' feedback on that of whether you like solo episodes or interview episodes or length of episodes because it's it's very hard. I mean, I could just go on forever. 
Today's ending, I want to talk about a few things that are happening in my life. Let's talk about TikTok and the fragility of some of these men and their projections. Holy mother of God. I have somehow ended up on the very wrong side of TikTok that is angry white male. And they hate me. That is for damn sure. And this is like the one thing that really frightens me about TikTok for me and just the general mental health of our world and population. Some of these people are so angry. Like I will never understand ever, truly will never understand people who are so angry at a stranger and feel the need to attack them publicly from a 15 second video that they watched. So not only are you like putting these awful words out there, but you don't even know this person. Like it's a literal stranger. And it just blows, it baffles my mind that people feel so intensely that and oddly confident in their own thoughts that they're willing to put people down. I don't know what really confuses me. I mean, clearly something is going on with them. But that is my one complaint about TikTok. It's what I love about TikTok, but it also scares me. Like, I love the fact that you could be, sometimes I think about like Lizzo, for instance, she's on TikTok all the time. You have no idea. Like there is a chance you could pop up on Lizzo's FYP. It's not people she's following. It's just videos like meant for her. So that's fucking awesome to think about. Like that's so cool. And you know, obviously it's easier to grow a following and it's easier to quote unquote blow up because you're getting put in front of all these people who don't necessarily follow you, but they're looking at their FYP. However, you also can end up on people's FYP that you don't want to be on. Because they are mean and awful humans. And like when it comes to Instagram, I feel so safe on Instagram. So safe. Because the people who are consuming my content for the most part are following me. Yes, obviously there are certain people who like hate watch my stories, but I don't really care. But I feel safe because it's like my community. Those are people that are consuming my content. Also, there's just something about Instagram culture versus TikTok culture where Instagram people are not like writing these mean comments. They're just not. TikTok people are ruthless. And sometimes it makes the TikTok comments hilarious when they're not like attacking someone, but they just are speaking their mind and it's funny. But then they can get so ugly. And I posted this video. This is honestly the most confusing part to me is that like I don't even know why this sparked so much anger in these men. Um, there's this audio that's like, listen, listen, look at me. I want to be chill, but God has other plans. And people are making all these like funny joke videos with the audio. And I made one that was like when my husband wants to sleep in on the weekends and like slowly enter the day and I have a conniption. I don't know why, but this triggered so many men in the comments and truly like terrifies me for the sake of our society. There are so many men in my life that I love. There are so many men I respect. There are so many men that are really incredible people. But then there are these men that are the trolls and the scum of the earth on the internet. And I'm terrified because I truly just think they hate women. Like based on these comments, I'm like, why the fuck are you married and why do you have kids? Um, I don't know. What confuses me honestly the most and I'm not like doing this to give them airtime. I'm honestly like unpacking all this because it really like confuses me. And I think it's interesting when it comes to like a societal construct aspect of things. 
immediately their brain went to, based on the comments, I'm a stay-at-home mom. I do nothing. My husband works all week and he wants to rest all weekend. And all I want to do is chores. And that's why I'm waking him. And I should know my place and do my chores on my own. Literally, these are what the comments say. Um, And I just am like so confused because I I tried to explain to Joe, who doesn't have social media, and he's like, I just don't understand. Like, what, why are they saying these things? And I'm like, I don't understand either. He's like, what was the video? Like, did it say, oh, I'm making my husband do all these chores? I'm like, no, it didn't even say chores. Like, it just said, I didn't want to sleep in. And I'm like, the funny thing is, I don't ever want to do chores on the weekend. What I want to do is like get up, go for a walk, get coffee, hang out, sometimes go to a bar to watch football. Like these men projected so much of something they are clearly struggling with and angry at or about and put it onto this video, which like baffles my mind. But then it also had me thinking of just the intense scrutiny when it comes to stay-at-home moms and like what the fuck is wrong with our society? And I honestly been like thinking about this a lot because a lot of TikTok there will be like stay-at-home mom videos or there will be working mom videos or whatever and I'm kind of confused on where I fall on that spectrum and I definitely don't feel the need to have a label at all but sometimes I find it difficult to relate to certain things or share my almost side of parenting or like struggles with motherhood because I'm like well part of me is kind of a stay-at-home mom like I am the primary caregiver most days. Um, I'm like responsible for him most days or majority, not majority, but like most of the week. But then I also have a job and I make a a good income, a great income. And I provide for my family as well. So like, but but I'm working from home. I'm not in an office. So I don't know. It's very confusing to me. And I am not really trying to read into it because I don't. I think it's, again, like a societal construct to have a label on that. And I also think that the reason we label these things are almost to pit women against each other, which I I don't think women want to do. I think it's more of like the patriarchal system trying to do that. But these comments about stay-at-home moms, like from someone who kind of identifies as a stay-at-home mom but also doesn't, like I feel I'm in a place to say like fuck you to these people because – it's such bullshit. The stay-at-home mom is the hardest job ever. And I had a man in the comments who was like sticking up for stay-at-home moms. And he was like, you guys are so lost if you think that the man works so that a woman – and this is obviously assuming heteronormativity and that like the man is the one working, which is not the case at all for all relationships. But we're just using this like base structure that has been put on us as an example. Um, he commented like, you, you – assholes think that the man works so that the woman can stay home but it's the opposite the woman stays home so that the man can work and that's so true for any relationship if one person's staying home it is so the other can work and I just think there's such they just devalue the hard work that anyone is doing as a caregiver whether it be the mom or the father or whatever you want to call yourself like that is so much work and so much of a mental load and just all consuming, never ending. And quite honestly, the most important job you could you will ever have. And I fully believe that. And I don't know why our society or parts of our society feels this like deep need to put these people down and act like being a caregiver is not a job. Like, who raised you? You know? Like I I, I just 
I cannot wrap my head around it. Why people have such issues with it. And, you know, I see some of these comments on TikToks of people like attacking people, these women who are saying they're stay-at-home moms. And I, I just don't understand it. I went on a complete tangent, but it just really confuses me. I'm not trying to like polarize or like make this a divisive episode by any means and like start shit. I'm just so lost. Like I just don't understand why we do that. I really don't get it. On this note, I do want to do a whole episode on division of labor or parenting in a pandemic and like relationship as a parent because I do feel like Joe and I have gone through a lot and I have a lot to say and you know, we've had many ups and downs as new parents and it's been a work in progress and we're figuring it out. And that's going to be a whole separate episode that I think I'm going to do solo soon. So stay tuned for that. The other thing, while we're talking about like just standards that society puts on us, I talked about this on Instagram and I got a lot of feedback and a lot of people were interested in the conversation. And it's about Botox. I've always grown up in a place where like, you know, Botox was normalized. My mom has gotten Botox my entire life. And a lot of my friends have Botox. And especially on social media, I feel like I'm seeing it all over the place. And I'm having a really hard time because I want Botox. Part of me wants it. I have a lot of forehead wrinkles. I would love them to not be there. But then I also was thinking, I read this article that was like, the way we talk about aging and skincare and like the anti-aging aspect of it is basically what diet culture was 15, 20 years ago. If you replace the word wrinkles with rolls or stretch marks, you realize how fucked up it is. Because like we've now accepted that we're not falling into the like, oh, do this to lose rolls or do this to lose your stretch marks. Like we've gotten to a place, some of us, and like, you know, obviously it's taking a full society a little bit longer, but to accepting those things. If you replace the word wrinkles with those things, you realize like, wait a damn minute. Wait a damn minute. So why can't we just accept women for aging? Like why are we so anti-aging? Why are we so, you have to stay a certain way, you can't evolve, you can't grow. Like this unrealistic beauty standard that we've set is such bullshit and of course it's mainly set for the females. And it's just another part of the patriarchal system that's putting these unrealistic beauty standards on females. And when I think about it in that way, I'm like, well, fuck, I don't want to play into this. I don't want to give money to this. I don't want to fall victim to this. I don't want to get Botox. But then I still fucking want it because so many people have gotten it that I'm like, but I want to look like them. And then I had some people messaging me and I think this is what I'm struggling with the most. If I was like just a person who was doing like a typical corporate job or whatever, I think I'd probably be like, yeah, okay, like I don't mind. I'm just going to probably get it. But because I talk about all this so publicly and also because whether I like it or not, I do hold an influence, I guess, on some people, which is still weird for me to say, but like I can, I guess, finally come to terms with that. And I play a role in setting this like standard that some may compare themselves to and I'm not saying that from like a cocky braggy way I'm just saying that's the inevitability of my job and I don't want people to be comparing themselves to an unrealistic standard if I were to get Botox does that make sense and I'm really having a hard time with it and like in the same sense 
I'm constantly trying to provide like real life stuff, the reality, unfiltered, you know, just me on my Instagram. But when I see other creators, like with the whole vibe and aesthetic and they're posting all these beautiful things and like, you know, I don't know why. I mean, my mind just goes to like, shit, I should be doing more of that. I, I want to look like that. And then I'm like, no, wait, Cam, this is why we're doing it the way we're doing it for this exact reason so that people don't feel less than and they feel comfortable just being themselves. And it's so fucking hard, this mental struggle that I have literally every day where I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm just going to be myself. And then I am. And then sometimes I watch other people's content and I'm like, fuck, why can't I do that? You know? I don't know if this makes sense to anyone and now I've just been rambling, but these are the thoughts that are happening in my head. So welcome to my thought process. Um, I love you guys so much. Stay tuned for lots more incredible episodes to come. I hope you guys loved this episode as much as I did. I fucking love Sammy and I'm so grateful that she came on the show. Please let me know what you thought of the episode over DM, email, share it on your Instagram stories, however you want. I really appreciate your continued support and I hope you have a great weekend. Thank you guys so much for listening to the show. I love doing this more than anything in the world. If you could be so kind as to rate and or review the show, share a screenshot on your Instagram story, whatever you feel like doing to show some love, I would really appreciate it. Obviously follow at Pod on Instagram and me at Freckled Foodie for more content. Thank you for being a part of the FF fam and I hope you have a wonderful day.